on guys, Farzim Sugan here with you, hope you guys are doing well, hope you guys had a great holiday weekend, and hope you guys had a great weekend this past weekend, obviously been a while since we've last done a podcast, kind of wanted to take a break from the podcast, uh, especially towards the end of May, which kind of my favorite time of the year, because you got my birthday, uh, and then the weekend after that is Memorial Weekend, so got two nice long weekends, <laughs> During usually my birthday falls close to the weekend. I'll take uh, Friday off. Uh, I actually took the entire 11 days actually off. Uh, birthday and Memorial weekend. So that was uh, that was really nice. Uh, so I took a break from the podcast for a bit. And uh, now uh, back to work, back to all the good stuff. Back to reality, as they like to say. Facebook.com slash Farzin That is the Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at farzin 21 Subscribe to the podcast, share the links with your friends on social media. By the way, we just surpassed 31,000, uh, actually we surpassed 31,000 followers on Facebook on the day of my 31st birthday, imagine that, and we're already close to 31,500, that's just in two weeks, 500 in two weeks, you guys are awesome, I appreciate that, you guys are killing it on the uh, on the uh, Facebook page, uh, a lot of interaction, uh, some of it's been good for the most part a few uh a few fights here and there in the comment section which you know it's gotten to the point where i just said don't have much control over it facebook does give you the option to shut down comments which i'll usually do if people are just being negative and fighting one another and that upsets other people for whatever reason like like it matters so much to them i don't really care but i always find it funny when i get a message people uh, are irate or they'll comment on another post whining that i shut down the comments that's always uh that's always a great Little message to read, but nonetheless, um, you guys have been awesome on the Facebook page. You guys are killing it. Appreciate it. Uh, some things to talk about on this podcast. Definitely want to touch on Tyreek Hill as he has drawn a lot of attention, specifically from Chiefs fans because of a podcast teaser. And he admitted that fans are taking the bait on that one. Deshaun Watson's not having a good week. A 23rd. Woman has come forward filing a lawsuit against Deshaun Watson. And his attorney was on a radio station and made some very questionable comments regarding sexual harassment. Uh, If you have not heard this, your mind will be blown. Uh, He did do some follow-up interviews trying to clarify what he meant to say. It's not really doing him any favors, but uh, yeah, he in the, in the court of public opinion, he is not passing. That is for damn sure, but we know uh, that does not mean much uh, these days. Uh, a couple other notes here. Uh, I know uh, Gabe Kapler, obviously we, the last podcast we did, we had a very serious discussion about what happened in Texas with the shooting. Unfortunately, these things are just happening left and right. They're not all getting talked about. There was even uh, one report of a kid uh, who wanted to recreate that uh, incident and got in trouble for it, uh, rightfully so. Um, I, I did want to revisit that subject because there are a lot of people criticizing Gabe Kapler and saying baseball is going to struggle like the NFL. And I mentioned the NFL never really struggled. Yes, their ratings went down, and I even said that. But they never struggled, and that seemed to upset a lot of the anti-anthem uh, protesting crowd. So I'm going to shut that uh, conversation down on this podcast and really explain the whole NFL situation. Yeah, their ratings went down, but they never struggled. 
And if after listening to this podcast, you can debunk anything I'm saying, go ahead and say it. I'll shut down all my social media and my podcast. But wait until you hear what I have to say, because a lot of people took issue with that. It's it's mainly the stick to sports, anti-protesting uh, crowd. It's more, mainly those people. So we'll get into that later on. Uh, I'm watching the NBA Finals right now. Uh, the game's almost over. Game two, that is. Golden State, uh, assuming they don't uh, blow this lead like they did in game one, they are putting the hammer down on the Boston Celtics. Uh, got off to a really slow start in this game, too, uh, and got going. Uh, I'm pulling for the Golden State Warriors in this one because of Andrew Wiggins. I don't particularly care so much about Stephen Curry. I think he's great. I still remember when the Jayhawks won the championship in 2008 in the Elite Eight. They had to get through Davidson, in which Curry was a part of that team. That entire game, I... If there was ever a sporting event from start to finish where I just was, I did not smile the entire time until the final second was that game. I still remember, uh, I, I believe it was Curry, or maybe he gave the ball to someone else uh, for a final shot at the end of the game to try to beat KU. If I recall, KU won that game by two points. Uh, he's had a phenomenal NBA career. He really has. Uh, but Andrew Wiggins, uh, this is by far his best year in the NBA. His basketball career and the NBA hasn't really panned out the way everyone thought it was going to, but he's starting to really pick it up. This is by far his best year in the NBA. Uh, made the All-Star, obviously, earlier this year, so I'm very happy to see that, and I'm really hoping he can uh, get himself a championship ring. Uh, my last year at KU was uh, the year Andrew Wiggins played, so obviously uh, that, uh, basketball, that KU basketball team has a special place in my heart because that was... My final year at KU, and that was the year they won their 10th straight conference title. So, really, it looks like Golden State's going to pull away with this one. It's 102.78 with three and a half minutes left at the time I record this podcast. So, that gives you an idea when I'm recording this. But it looks like Golden State's going to pull away. So, it's going to be tied up 1-1 going to Boston. All right, I want to get into this Tyreek Hill situation. Um... I, I did write the outline for the podcast, and then there were some updates when Tyreek Hill did meet with the media. Let me just quickly uh, go over this. I, I'm not going to get into this too much. And by the way, Andy Reid was asked about this and lashed out at a reporter, which I took issue with Andy Reid doing that. I'll get to that in a moment, and I think he was 100% in the wrong for that. Um, very unprofessional of Andy Reid to do that. Uh, but Tyreek Hill has a podcast coming out this week. He and his team dropped a 58-second teaser. Now, in that teaser, you see Drew Rosenhaus, who is Tyreek's agent. He is on there talking, saying Tyreek. And Tyreek was repeating it, too. They both were saying that Tyreek wanted to stay in Kansas City. So far, no problems there. Uh, Tyreek's host, I don't know his... Tyreek mentioned his name later on. Um, I have it written down here somewhere. Uh, let's see. Uh, I, I don't have that here in front of me, but, uh, his co-host, uh, he was asking uh, a really interesting question, uh, saying that Tyreek was underutilized and Tyreek responded saying, right. Which I thought was interesting. And then, uh, this host says that the chiefs tried to suppress Tyreek's stats I guess as a way to try to bring down his value so they can have an easier time extending him. I'm not quite sure uh, what he was trying to infer there. 
but the teaser ends right when Tyreek was about to speak and respond. Now, a lot of Chiefs fans were upset by this. I always said, look, it's a teaser. Let's wait for the full podcast to come out because Tyreek never said anything other than the word right. Now, this is still coming from Tyreek in his camp. I know Tyreek's not the one editing and putting up the, all these clips together, but it's still under his name. For them to publish a teaser to uh, draw attention for this, like, dude, you're Tyreek Hill. You still have a strong following from Kansas City. Now you have an even bigger following because you're in Miami, and that's a bigger market than Kansas City. So you've got, I mean, you're Tyreek Hill. I, I, I mean, I'm sure he's got a million, maybe two million followers all together on all social media platforms. And I know there are some people who are following him on all three social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and, um, and Instagram, maybe even TikTok. I mean, I don't know. But but I'm sh- the number is still a big deal. Like he's got a massive following all across the board. Why do you need to publish this misleading trailer, teaser, whatever you want to call it, and try to infer this idea that the Chiefs were underutilizing and suppressing Tyreek Hill on the field. I don't quite understand why they felt the need to do that. Um, Tyreek was in Wichita over the weekend, and then he went to Olathe for some football camps. I think he's been working with Garrick Dieter, um, a couple of other guys uh, for these football camps. And uh, he admitted that... This is actually, this is a real quote from Tyreek Hill. He admitted that fans are taking the bait. And he even said, look, it's just a teaser and I never said anything. Okay, all right. Uh, By the way, he tweeted saying, now that I have your attention. So clearly this is someone who is, (laughs) who is, um, taking advantage of the uh, reactions here. Uh, But, but, but going back to that, media uh, scrum he did in Wichita, uh, he says he's comfortable with the direction of his podcast, quote, people's panties are in a wad. He really said that. People's panties are in a wad, which, I mean, he's not wrong. Uh, but what that tells me is this is a guy who is taking advantage of the uh, of the teaser, the misleading teaser, and it's give, giving him the attention. He, listen, I get it. It's the first episode, so you need to maybe draw some attention. I've done this for podcasts and blogs, but never anything completely misleading uh, that, you know, where the teaser and the actual blog or the podcast sells uh, different stories. Never. Um, And I think it's more shocking that this is coming from Tyreek Hill because as you guys all remember, back in 2019, Tyreek Hill was being recorded by his ex-fiance at the time. And there was an 11-minute audio clip that a local uh, media outlet obtained. Uh, They were the only ones who had this 11-minute recording. They chose to pick two minutes from different parts throughout the recording and publish that on, uh, or air that, I should say, during their newscast. Later, other media outlets got the entire 11-minute recording, and they actually published it. And everybody learned that the two-minute version 
And the 11-minute version, the full version, the full recording, those two recordings told two completely different stories. So for Tyreek Hill, of all people, to do a stunt like this, and listen, the the, the 11-minute recording, that was obviously an extreme situation because it views, excuse me, it uh, involved child abuse, uh, though we still don't know what really happened. And Tyreek Hill, not knowing he was recorded, accused her of lying about 2014, which KCTV5 chose to omit. Very interesting on their part. They still were not apologetic about it, which was very silly. Uh, but I digress. The point here is, um, we saw what happened to Tyreek Hill. So, And listen, I'm guilty of it. I, I was one of those people that believed Channel 5 because I thought that they would... That I, I thought they were portraying this whole thing fairly when they really were not. So, at the end of the day, um, I don't know why Tyreek felt the need to go in this route. And for him to say, oh, uh, well, I'm comfortable with the direction of this podcast because pa- people's panties are in a wad. Listen, this is not a hill you want to stand on. No pun intended. Uh, this is not a hill you want to stand on. You really don't. Um, this is... N- you don't need to tease anything like imagine if Patrick Mahomes and listen both Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill are superstars obviously Mahomes is a much bigger superstar imagine if Patrick Mahomes felt the need to start a podcast and in order to promote this podcast he had to come up with a really misleading trailer and he the the teaser inferred something negative about Tyreek Hill or uh, his college coach, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. Like, imagine if he did that. A lot of people would be really upset, and rightfully so. You know, we already have headlines and tweets that are misleading, and then the 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 writers and the media listeners they're saying, "Oh, hey, uh, you got to read the article. It tells a different story." Well, then why are you putting out misleading tweets and teasers, whatever you do? People do this so much in the media. Uh, you know, I, I used to work in uh, me in the media and. So many of these media outlets just want to create these misleading tweets and teasers just to get clicks or listeners. And I've never, I've never believed in that one bit. Uh, when I wrote for Bleacher Report, my editors wanted to change things up in headlines and in uh, secondary, um, uh, by headline, uh, many headlines, secondary headlines. And I'm like, no, uh, th- th- saying that tells a completely different story than my article. I don't want, because here's, at the end of the day, who's, who are people going to be upset at for a misleading article? Are they going to be mad at the writer or the editor? They're going to be mad at the writer. No one knows who's editing the articles. Nobody knows that stuff. So they're going to come after the writer a hundred percent. Um, I, I mean, I've had to, I've had to fight for that many times because I've never believed in that kind of thing. And I know there are people out there that, and I'm getting off topic, but there are people out there in the media while I'm on the subject that like power rankings, for example, they'll intentionally put different teams in different spots just to draw up a conversation. I've never believed in that. Not one bit. So, you know, going back to this whole Tyree kill thing, uh, for him to do that, I, I think is Bush league, honestly, uh, and I know a lot of people were responding saying, well, you really think it's Tyreek Hill editing this? No, but it's still under his name. This is his entity. It's almost like Romeo Cornell in 2012. He was the head coach, but uh, he focused more on the defense and he let Brian Dable handle the offensive duties. It's like Jamal Charles got only five touches in a game and a loss to the Raiders. 
And Romeo Cornell was asked, why is your best football player getting only five touches? And he responded with, I don't know. It's like, how? You're the head coach. Tyreek Hill is the head coach of this podcast. He's the head coach of this operation. He's the captain of the ship. So whatever teaser they have out there, surely Tyreek Hill knew about it and approved of it. So, and if he didn't, that's even an even worse look. I just think this is a bad look for Tyreek Hill. And listen, I'm sure he is going to shut down his co-host's question, claim, whatever you want to call it, whatever he was trying to say. And it's like, why did you need to do that teaser? I don't know. I, I think it's silly. Um... I'll leave it at that. I did want to get into uh, Todd Lebo. Listen, I think it was actually a very fair question. Todd Lebo of Sports Radio 810, who uh, I, I interned at 810, and Todd Lebo taught me a lot. Very nice guy, very knowledgeable guy. This guy's been covering sports in Kansas City before I was born. So I've got a great deal of respect for Todd and everything he's done at Sports Radio 810. Sports Radio 810 does have a very interesting history, and I know a lot of people aren't the biggest fans of uh, a former radio host who got canned there. But if anything, uh, he does deserve credit for how he built that station up, along with Lebo and a few other people at Union Broadcasting. And Lebo had a, had a, had a big hand in that. He's a big reason why A10 is where it is today. A10 is not owned by Anarchom or Cumulus, any of these big name radio stations out there, uh, out there in uh, in the world of radio. Uh, these are, I mean, this is a, an organization that is privately owned here in Kansas city. And I'm sure there are a few other radio stations out there in the country like that, but they built from the ground up on, on their own, uh, no corporation there and, uh, did a fantastic job and they're, uh, they're, they're a big deal in town for sure. Uh, but anyway, Todd Lebo went to the press conference and he asked a question about Tyree killing the teaser. And it seemed like Andy Reed did not really understand. First of all, Andy Reed was not made aware that this teaser came out. I have to get to that. That is a very important note to make. The fact he was not made aware of this, that is on the uh, PR team for the Chiefs. I'll, I'll get into them in a moment. But Andy Reid just kind of fought back at Todd Lebo, said it was a dumb question, and called him a, a, a jock shock. Uh, I mean, I, I, I didn't know Andy Reid to be a, a, guy, a guy like that to display that kind of attitude and resort to name-calling, of all things. Um I thought it was very unprofessional. I was actually, you know, I've always liked Andy Reid uh, as a person, uh, especially the things he's done for players, uh, troubled players, trying to get them back on the right track. And listen, he's a good guy. I'm not, this is not an Andy Reid is a terrible person segment here. Uh, but this is uh, really uncalled for by, by him. Todd Lebo did uh, speak publicly, and he said that he spoke to the Chiefs PR team, tried to explain his case, and they just disagreed about the need to ask a question and I get it. Like coaches don't ask. Um, they, excuse me. They don't answer questions about former players unless it's something significant. Like if the chiefs and when the chiefs and Browns were getting ready to play in the playoffs a couple of years ago, uh, Kareem, uh, the, the, the Kareem hunt subject came up and, and the chiefs media, they did ask a couple of Kareem hunt related questions. And that's certainly understandable to ask uh, Kareem hunt questions at the time. To Andy Reid. But Todd Lebo, I guess Andy Reid's not happy with him because the week before, LaShawn McCoy spoke out and criticized Eric Bieniemy, said there's a reason why he's not getting a job because teams know the kind of person he is. Thought that was very interesting. Not really going to get into that on this podcast. It doesn't really interest me. 
Uh, by the way, McCoy said he didn't come back because of the enemy. It's like, dude, I don't think the Chiefs wanted you back. As good as his yard per carry average was, nobody liked the way he was carrying the ball. But uh, he, I guess McCoy didn't like the way he was being talked to by the enemy. And so Lebo brought that up, and I guess Andy Reid didn't really appreciate that question. And again, same person, Todd Lebo. I, well, by the way, these are valid questions. You have a former player in LaShawn McCoy who's criticizing your offensive coordinator who has struggled to get a head coaching job. And that, that actually was a story a couple days ago. And it made national news on ESPN. So that's a valid question to ask Andy Reid. I want to hear Andy Reid's response to that. A former player of his who he drafted in Philadelphia and brought to Kansas City later on is bad-mouthing his offensive coordinator. That's a story that Andy Reid's response is necessary. That was I, I'm glad Todd Lebo asked that question. And then you have another former player in Tyreek Hill who, said, who put out this misleading trailer for a podcast. Yeah, I want to hear Andy Reid's response when they're inferring that Tyreek Hill was suppressed and underutilized in Kansas City. That absolutely should be asked to Andy Reid. Tyreek Hill has been the most dynamic receiver in the NFL. Nobody is debating that. So for that to even be inferred on Tyreek's podcast teaser should be asked to Andy Reid. It's like, and again, I get it. I I don't think Andy Reid was interested in answering a question about a former player, but that is still a question I would ask. The only thing is I would maybe wait until after the teaser uh, to, to hear the full podcast, because I think then you can actually ask a more valid question depending on what Tyreek said, but you still have someone inferring this on their on their podcast teaser. So I understood the question that was asked. Uh, did not understand Andy Reid's need to be unprofessional in that manner, not one bit. And I did want to get back to him saying that he was not made aware of this. That is absolutely on the public relations department for the Kansas City Chiefs. They failed on that part right there. Here's what pub, here's what PR is supposed to do. Let me give you guys an example. In 2009, when Todd Haley was in his first year as the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, in the final uh, home game of the season, the Chiefs lost to the Browns. If you guys remember, that was the, where uh, the game was blacked out. Uh, and those that lived in the Kansas City area within a 75-mile radius, radius could not get the game on television, so you had to stream it if you did if you um, lived within the 75 miles. At the, at the end of the game, after the game, I should say, uh, Todd Haley was leaving the field, going back to the locker room, and I guess a fan shouted that he should have been fired, and according to this fan... Todd Haley flipped him off. There was one local, Jack Harry, of all people, decided to run with it uh, when he was given this information and basically ran with it like it was an actual story, like it had been proven factual. Well, guess what? When when Jack Harry talked about that on his sports broadcast, the next day, Todd Haley had a press conference. That subject came up by someone in the media. Someone did ask... Someone did ask Todd Haley, hey, you were accused of flipping off a fan. Did you do it? The first thing Todd Haley said was, I was made aware of that claim. Do you know why he was made aware? Because the public relations department, by the way, not to take any shots, because I'm not too familiar with the current Chiefs PR staff, but the Chiefs PR staff at the time, they were one of the best in the NFL. And unfortunately, uh, those guys are no longer with the Chiefs. They're uh, elsewhere elsewhere. 
but when I was uh, covering the Chiefs back then, they were more than generous with all of their um, – anytime I, I needed something from them, they were always answering any of my questions. Uh, didn't always give me everything that I was seeking, which I completely understood. PR staff's got to uh, support their teams first, but – uh, they were always they, they they knew what they were doing. They did their jobs. Let me just put it that way. So they informed Todd Haley, "Hey, Todd, this broadcaster mentioned that you flipped off a fan. This fan is claiming this in an email." When the Tyree Kill thing was brought up, the teaser, every single Chiefs fan on Twitter lost their goddamn mind. That like, there's no way. Someone from the Chiefs PR department or any employee uh, from the Chiefs could have missed this. This was like the the talking point of Chiefs Twitter for a couple of days. So for them to not even inform Andy Reid of this is a huge miss on their end. You have to inform. Part of your job is to make sure who if... Um, if Patrick Mahomes is doing a press conference, well, guess what? Surely the PR department said, hey, Patrick, your brother dumped water on this fan. This this question might come up. Hey, Patrick, your brother, like a moron, danced on Sean Taylor's number for a TikTok video. Someone in the media might ask you about this. Uh, you know, that's part of their job to make sure that these players and coaches, or owners, whoever, they're not blindsided by a potentially tough question. Because when, it, when something like that happens, a, surely the owner or uh, the coach, whoever, should have to answer for it, should have to give some sort of answer. Um, in this case, they did not, and they failed at their job there. That's something they should have done. And for them to fight back at Todd Lebo and say that they disagree with the question, I, th- I think that's basically them trying to say, hey, yeah, we fucked up, but we don't want to admit to it. Uh, which is, again, just unprofessional on their part. So, I mean, listen, reporters are not... I remember, I was thinking about this earlier today, too, oddly enough. There was a reporter who asked Peyton Manning on the day of his retirement press conference about these sexual harassment allegations that came out when he was at the University of Tennessee. It's like, look, Peyton Manning's doing a retirement press conference. Once this is over... Peyton Manning is probably not going to be talking to anyone and not going to be doing any interviews for a long time. So for people to be upset at the reporter that brought up those allegations, you have zero knowledge of what a journalist is supposed to do and what a media outlet is supposed to do. Their job is to ask the tough questions. A reporter's job is not to be a PR mouthpiece. Okay, whoever the Chiefs reporter is, that's his job. He's never going to ask a tough question. In fact, I know um, when Bill Self was being asked about some of his basketball players getting into trouble a few years ago, there was a KU-employed broadcaster there who kept asking questions, trying to change the subject, talking about the actual upcoming game. Yeah, that's their job. Those people are not actually real journalists. Uh, when you are employed by the team, you're not a valid journalist. You have, you're, you're partial to a, to a team. You, I mean, there's, uh, there's, a, the, there's a reason why they call it the Homer broadcast, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just those people are not journalists. A journalist's job is to ask questions that, and get answers to what people are talking about. 
And for all these Chiefs fans who are criticizing Todd Lebo, they're the same ones who were talking about this Tyree Kill teaser. So I don't understand. You can't have it both ways. You can't talk about uh, a, a topic and then criticize someone in the media when they ask about it to the coach, player, whoever. You can't have it both ways. That journalist, that reporter, sees the reactions on Twitter and says, hey, a lot of fans are talking about this. We should ask him about it. Rightfully so. But hey, what do I know? I, I'm, I'm, I'm supposedly a journalist, according to Google, as you guys all uh, brought to my attention over the weekend. Uh, what do I know? All right, I do want to get into Deshaun Watson because this um, this Deshaun Watson story did take a very, very interesting turn. Uh, a 23rd woman has come out for uh, uh, filing a lawsuit against Deshaun Watson. This comes, obviously, a couple months after his big contract in Cleveland and a very bad introductory press conference where there were a lot of tough questions asked uh, to the Browns, uh, the head coach and the uh, general manager, and they were very certain that Deshaun Watson did not commit any wrongdoing. I'm paraphrasing here. And they were very certain that he would not suffer any consequences, that he would not suffer a suspension. Well, according to USA Today two weeks ago, Deshaun Watson admitted that one massage therapist did cry after a session, but he did not know why. He later left and texted that woman an apology, quote, Sorry about you feeling uncomfortable. Never were the intentions. Let me know if you want to work in the future. My apologies. Listen, I was not there, nor were any of us, but I will say this. Innocent people do not apologize. He apologized twice in that text message. Now, a 23rd woman has filed a lawsuit against Deshaun Watson. Now, coincidentally, we were talking about the whole Tyreek Hill audio thing. I have always said, look, let all the facts play out here because a lot of times there are things out there that we don't know. And we weren't there. Like I said, I know I just said that a minute ago, but it is worth repeating. Um, but but this whole apology text, that does not help his case one bit. Look, something happened, okay? Something absolutely happened. Innocent people don't apologize. The 23rd person speaking out does not change my stance on anything. Uh, because it's just another person added to the list, but... Uh, the, the apology text, that to me is a much bigger story, for sure. And it says more than the 23rd lawsuit, in my opinion. Uh, I know Watson met with the NFL, and, and I know the NFL is evaluating everything based on the information they have at the moment. And I guess they're expecting a, a decision in the next um, month or two because training camp is um, just around the corner. It's about six, seven weeks away for most teams. But this is where things get interesting. Deshaun Watson's attorney, Rusty Harden, that really is his name, Rusty Harden. I don't know what's more ironic, his name or his comment. Uh, he was on Sports Radio 610 in Houston, and he spoke about a hypothetical situation, I guess, and later clarified it. Here's the quote in the uh, radio interview. He says, quote, and let me just cl clarify, Rusty Harden, I guess, he represented Roger Clemens, so he's well-known in the Houston area. So that's all I know about his backstory. Anyway, uh, here's the quote. He says, I don't know how many men out there uh, uh, now that have had a massage that perhaps occasionally there was a happy ending. Maybe there's nobody in your listening audience that that ever happened to. I do not 
I do want to point out, if it has happened, it's not a crime unless you are paying somebody extra or so to give you some type of sexual activity. It's not a crime. Doing something or saying something or being a way that makes you uncomfortable is not a crime. And so we had two grand juries find that and nobody seems to want to listen. Those are Rusty Harden's words. So, uh, yeah, um, I don't know what he means when he says a way that makes you uncomfortable is not a crime. But essentially what he's saying is happy endings are not a, a crime. And by the way, if you do not know what a happy ending is, ask your parents. I'm not here to, to, to describe that to anybody. That's for you to figure out. I'm not here to, to get into that. Uh, but Rusty Harden did do a media tour following uh, the radio interview to try to clarify his comments. I always love when people do this, when they do additional media to clarify whatever insane comment they made uh, from another media outlet. It's always, it's like you are just digging your own hole at this point. Uh, so Rusty Harden spoke to USA Today and said, okay, here's what he said. I just want to make sure I have the right quote. Happy endings are not a crime. And a happy ending is a consensual happy. If it's against the woman's will, it's not happy because a happy ending has to be consensual on both sides. I'm just using the colloquial word for consensual oral sex. It's not a crime. If that's what happened, that's not either assaultive or a crime. Against her will is wrong, period. Deshaun, did no Deshaun Watson did nothing wrong. And as two grand juries have made very clear, Deshaun did nothing illegal. Deshaun has always acknowledged consensual sexual activity with three of the plaintiff massage therapists after massages. And Deshaun has repeatedly sworn under oath that he did not force any of his accu accusers to have sexual contact. Uh, here's a final paragraph here. On a Houston radio show interview today, I mentioned that a massage that had a quote happy ending is not illegal meaning it is, it is not illegal for someone to have consensual sex with a therapist after a massage unless the sex is for pay. Deshaun did not pay anyone for sex. I was using the term hypothetically and not describing Deshaun's case. I have reiterated to others it's not okay to do anything that a woman does not agree to do. These women have alleged assault in their pleadings. I was speaking... In a hypothetical situation, if there is a consensual sexual encounter after a massage, that is not a crime, nor the basis for a civil lawsuit. I was not talking about what Deshaun did or did not do, or expected or did not expect. Okay, the last sentence is interesting. He says he's not talking about what, he, what Deshaun Watson did or did not do, or expect or not expect. So even, he, first of all, I don't know why he did this interview with the radio station. That just was a terrible idea. What what legal um, company, I mean, what legal office allows this? Like, dude, it's still being, it's still under investigation. Don't talk about it. <laughs> um, so, so I don't know. But the things he's talking about with... Sexual activity. I'm asking. I'm not saying. Is he inferring that there was sex? 
Because I do have a follow-up question here. Deshaun Watson, as we know, has had at least 40 massage therapists in his first four years. That is an insanely ridiculous number, and I believe they're all women. None of these are men. So is Deshaun Watson going because he's trying to take care of his body? Or is he getting all of these different massage therapists because he's looking to hit the hay? Because I don't think it's the former. Sounds a lot like more the latter. And Deshaun Watson was even asked in the press conference that, hey, uh, you've had 40 therapists in your four years of playing. Are you going to change how you go about things? And he said for sure. He said he, he would look into changing that. And by the way, there are people who, and I've talked about this, I've seen other people uh, try to defend Watson in need of 40 massage therapists. And some people have even said this to me. There's one clown on Twitter who, I don't know, I guess he does something with physical therapy in athletes. And he was trying to justify Deshaun Watson needing 40 therapists to me. Well, you have his attorney not necessarily admitting what did or didn't happen, but he's talking about sexual activity with a massage therapist. Something happened, folks. Something that... Something beyond a massage, okay? Uh, so for all those people who are trying to justify Deshaun Watson needing 40 massage therapists, well, this really shuts down all those people who are trying to justify the need for 40 therapists. There's literally no reason. And look, I don't know where Deshaun Watson's from. Somebody use Patrick Williams as an example. Patrick obviously plays in Kansas City. He's from Texas. And he likes to travel a lot. Yeah, He has the money for it. Good on him. During the season, Mahomes probably, and I'm, I'm excluding uh, the team's massage therapist, anyone within the team. Outside of the team, he probably has someone he goes to see during the offseason, probably has two or three in case one's out of town, off work for a week, whatever it is, uh, and wants to make sure those people are all familiar with him. So he probably has two or three, has a couple backups in case one is unavailable. Then, when he spends a lot of time in Texas, which is where he's from, and he's posted a lot, he and Brittany, uh, they post a lot while they're in Texas during the offseason, understandable, because that's their home state. You probably have a couple of massage therapists there. Well, in case someone's out of town, you want to make sure you have a backup, one that's familiar with, uh, with you. So, what, you have six, seven massage therapists? At most, a couple in Kansas City, a couple in your home state, Texas. You don't need 40. That's just ridiculous. And by the way, I don't know how many Patrick has. I'm just, you know, using him as an example. UFC fighters have this too because a lot of them travel a lot. They go to different uh, gyms for training camps. So, I mean, these guys uh, are on the road often, so it's possible that they have different massage therapists. Uh, but that's because they travel a lot. I don't know Deshaun Watson's offseason exactly, what that consists of, where he is, all that stuff, but 40 therapists, there's nothing normal about this. There really isn't. And to the crowd that's trying to defend it more and more, 
boy, uh, you guys are taking some massive L's on this. Just stop defending it because it's really not something worth defending. If any human being had 40 massage therapists, all of them women, a lot of people will be questioning that, rightfully so. There's no logic there. Okay, he's a pro athlete who takes a lot of hits. I get that. Doesn't mean you need 40, 10 per year. Um, I mean, that's just beyond ridiculous. Real quickly, by the way, uh, somebody, uh, I don't remember who it was. Someone verified. Uh, I guess Deshaun Watson threw an interception in practice. And the Browns media, uh, uh, the, the uh, Browns Twitter account, they wanted to put that out there because obviously it's a highlight. But I guess some people took that and uh, put a negative twist to the video clip because it's Deshaun Watson throwing the interception. And someone mentioned that, you know, uh, the Browns are wasting all that guaranteed money. If you think the Browns made a mistake with the money they spent on Watson because of the legal case, I hear you. But if you're going to pick the contract apart because he threw an interception in practice, you are fighting the wrong battle here. Yeah, I mean, this is a losing battle here. Patrick Mahomes, uh, in his first year getting ready to replace Alex Smith when he uh, was named the, the new starter, Patrick Mahomes threw a lot of interceptions in the span of two practices. He went on that year to throw 5,000 passing yards and 50 touchdowns. Peyton Manning, in his preseason debut with the Denver Broncos, threw two interceptions in the first quarter of his first preseason game with Denver. It's practice. There's no need to get all worked up because someone threw an interception in practice. Every elite quarterback to ever exist has thrown interceptions Plural, interceptions in practice. So if you're going to question someone's contract because of an interception in practice, you're barking up the wrong tree. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, yeah. the, the things people just try to look for. It's amazing. People have too much time on their hands. Uh, real quickly, uh, I, I mentioned this briefly last week, but last week was not the time to really discuss this top topic. Colin Kaepernick tried out for the Raiders. I believe this is his first workout since 2017 with a team. I know he had his own combine uh, where some teams were, were there to, um, to watch him, uh, but then he changed location, so only six teams went. The Chiefs were one of those teams. Uh, supposedly the Raiders were impressed and said, quote, the door is open for Kaepernick when and if they decide to sign him. Uh, I don't really know what to make of this. It is getting a lot. It did get a lot of attention at the time. It's, it's a couple weeks old now. Uh, I'm just getting around to it now, but uh, Hey, look, if he gets a, an opportunity, great. And if you get an opportunity to play, whether it's a preseason or in a regular season, I suppose, you can prove yourself, prove to a lot of people that you deserved what you've been asking for, what you've been demanding for a while. Uh, a lot of people are asking what would be the logic for the Raiders to get Kaepernick. They really don't have good depth at quarterback. I know that's not a position anyone ever tries to have depth on. Like, that makes no sense. But I guess in this case, with the Raiders, with all the struggles the Raiders have had for two decades, this is... On paper, the best team they've had in a long time. 
So this is, I, I guess, the, Ka- Kaepernick would be like an insurance policy in case Carr were to get hurt because they don't want to go to Jared Stedham. You really don't want to do that. Uh, listen, the last time Kaepernick filled in for a starter that had to stop playing because of injury, he eventually kept that starting job and led the 49ers to a Super Bowl. Obviously, uh, took over for Alex Smith. So... I can see the idea. Um, he hasn't played in a while, so I just don't know uh, where his skill set is after being away all these years. Uh, okay, real quickly, uh, to wrap up the show here, Gabe Kapler, the manager for the San Francisco Giants. It's really interesting, by the way, how we pick and choose how the whole stick to sports uh, mantra works. I mean, we all know. Let's not pretend like we don't. But Gabe Kapler, uh, he said he will not come out for the national anthem. He did suspend his protest for Memorial Day only, but um, he got a lot of praise and a lot of criticism because he's not happy with the direction of the country after the shootings uh, that took place in Texas. The uh, Tampa Bay Rays, they donated money to safety against gun violence and spoke out against gun violence. The United States men's national team wrote a letter to Congress asking them to stop gun violence. Both the Celtics and the Warriors, they uh, wore shirts saying end gun violence. And supposedly a lot of people don't like that. And I don't understand why. Uh, And look, the the Rays, I mean, a lot of people uh, think the Florida governor denied um, the Rays funding uh, for their facility, which, by the way, I think teams should always have their own funding. But what if the Rays were actually backing whatever the Florida governor said? I mean, we'd probably be talking about a different story. Let's not pretend like that's not the case. The same Florida governor who, by the way, kicks people out of, um, kicks reporters out of uh, press conferences. Yeah. We're talking about cancel culture and the free speech crowd. Yeah, they bring those topics up a lot. Yeah, that side of it. Um, Gabe Kapler, I mean, he's being criticized for this and and a lot of people love to say stick to sports, but they'll listen to Herschel Walker, whose solution to mass shootings is quote, a department that can look at young men. That's looking at women. That's looking at social media. He really said that he said that on TV and obviously no one's going to push back on that. At least the people on his side, because it's his side. Uh, but Hey, no need for Herschel Walker to stick to sports. Um, by the way, people are comparing this whole thing, mass shootings, to 9-11, saying we didn't ban planes. Well, first off, I don't recall people being able to buy planes and flying them whenever they want. Last I checked, you have to have a license to even fly a plane. You have to have a, to have a license to go fishing or to even shoot a bow. Um, but for a gun, man, uh, it's pretty easy to obtain and uh, keep walking around with. Yeah. That mean. Makes no sense. Uh, It is illegal, by the way. This is not a joke. It is illegal to own more than six dildos in the state of Texas. But you can have an AR and a... um, I mean, you can have all these weapons. And by the way, listen, just my opinion. I'm not against the Second Amendment. People think when speaking out against gun violence means you're against... Second Amendment. No, not at all. There are a lot of people who are liberals who have guns as well for self-defense, and rightfully so. 
there are good self-defense gun stories out there. It's just nobody talks about it. Not even those right-wing media outlets talk about that. They never do. And I don't know why uh, they should. But uh, logically speaking, like, why does anyone need a gun like an AR-15 or any kind of automatic uh, assault rifle? Why does anyone need armor or tactical gear, which is what the shooter had in the, in the school shooting in Uvalde? The only people who even need that stuff are police officers and military personnel. I mean, there's really no need for anyone to have any of that. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Uh, I do agree that we need better security for sure. Uh, but anyway, I did want to touch on this to wrap up the podcast because people are criticizing Gabe Kapler saying, well, baseball is now going to struggle like the NFL did. And I spoke back and said the NFL never struggled. Yes, they lost ratings, but they never once struggled. So let me explain all of that because people still didn't get it. Even though I posted facts and posted all the articles and all the research that is not very difficult to do. What I said was nothing was beating the NFL in ratings. Yeah, ratings went down. Okay, cool. They lost viewers. Tell me who's who beat the NFL in ratings head to head. The NFL is still dominating its time slot, and it's not even close. The only time the NFL on CBS is losing the ratings battle is when it's going head-to-head against the NFL on Fox, and vice versa. Let's talk about the top 10 most-watched broadcasts from 2016 and forward. By the way, the source for this, you just have to Google this. Variety, IndieWire, Business Insider, and they all use the Nielsen ratings. If you just Google top 10 broadcasts of 2021, uh, Variety will have that list. And they'll all show in that same article will also have a link to the past several years. 2016, the NFL owned three of the top 10 spots. The Walking Dead also owned three of the top 10. The Walking Dead has been the only one that's actually been able to beat the NFL in ratings, but this was way before Anthem protests even existed. Now, it's out of the top 10 in 2016. There are a lot of NFL games and a lot of Walking Dead episodes. So that's 2016. Three of the top 10 most-watched broadcasts are from the NFL. 2017, this was after the uh, Anthem protests and after the comments from Trump and whatnot. Six of the top 10... Six of the top 10 watched broadcasts were from the NFL. 13 of the top 20 spots belong to the NFL. 37 of the top 50 most watched broadcasts belong to the NFL in 2017. So yeah, the NFL struggled. uh, Or excuse me, they lost ratings, I should say. But they didn't struggle. They were still the most watched thing on television. 2018, uh, they made the top 10 list six times. 2019, they made the top... 10 less five times, they owned four of the top five spots. 2020, by the way, it gets better and better for the NFL. They made the list seven times out of 10. They made the entire top five in 2020. Fun fact, the Chiefs were in the top 10 three times. 2021, the NFL owned nine of the top 10 spots of most watched broadcasts of 2021. And out of the top 37, Only three of them did not belong to the NFL. Imagine that. 
number seven was Biden's inauguration. Number 17 was Biden's first address to Congress. And in, uh, that was in April. Number 32 was NBC's Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And in the same year, 2021, the NFL owned 75 of the top 100 most watched broadcasts. So people can say all they want about ratings. That doesn't matter. The NFL still is the king when it comes to ratings. No one's beating the NFL in ratings. Nobody. By the way, the number one most watched broadcast in all these years is the Super Bowl. And usually number two is a conference championship game. There is a massive gap between one and two. So not only does the NFL own the top three spots, number one, they are winning. I mean, they own the number one spot by a massive margin. So it's not even close. The NFL is not struggling and they never have when it comes to television broadcasts. Yeah, they've lost ratings in 2016 and 2017. No one's beating them in the ratings. And by the way, Jay Busby of Yahoo Sports wrote the article. I even mentioned this a little bit. Uh, in his headline, he says, even with the ratings decline, the NFL owned all of TV in 2017. Not only is nobody beating the NFL in ratings, this is the most important part here. The NFL recently signed a $110 billion television deal. Thursday night football games are now exclusively going to be on Amazon Prime. ESPN Plus is getting one exclusive game this year. They are moving towards the streaming service platform, which has not been perfect for the UFC when it comes to the technical side of things. But in terms of uh, financially speaking, that, that part, the UFC is thriving there. So I think we all know when the NFL is moving towards this for Thursday Night Football, that's a good thing for them. So no. The NFL is not struggling. And by the way, here's another thing to add to that. Their players are still make, getting record-breaking contracts every offseason. How many times do we hear in an offseason, oh, this person got the most guaranteed money in NFL history? We keep hearing that every offseason, sometimes multiple times in an offseason. How many times do we hear, oh, player X just became the highest paid player at this position in NFL history? Tyreek Hill just became the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes had that $503 million record-breaking contract he signed during the pandemic. During a year where, where the, the NFL doesn't have uh, full-capacity crowds. Uh, I mean, after that, the only people who've struggled with any of this, the pandemic, the pandemic was way worse than the whole ratings drop. And that only impacted the owners. They were still getting the ratings. The players were still making millions and millions of dollars. I mean, we all know that every year we hear record-breaking contracts. So, yeah, that stuff has zero impact on the NFL and its players. The only people who are hurting from this are owners. But at the end of the day, everyone's still making millions of dollars. I mean, the owners are rich already. They can afford one year of a struggle like they did in 2020 with limited seating or no no seat, no fans at all. But man, I mean, some of you guys really don't understand how TV ratings work. Let me give you an example. Survivor, uh, one of my favorite shows. Their ratings are way down compared to when it first aired in 2000. And they were dominating the ratings in 2001 and 2002. But even though their ratings have dropped, 
they, for a long time, have still been winning their time slot. CBS doesn't give a shit about the numbers as long as they're still winning their time slot. That's what networks care about. As long as you're winning your time slot, which the NFL is, and it's not even close, the NFL is not struggling. Someone was mentioning something about advertisers. It's like, oh, okay, uh, there's uh, there's nothing happening. I mean, the NFL is still winning the ratings battle. They're still making a lot of money from these advertisers. You see all these ads you see during NFL games. They're not struggling. Not one bit. So you can talk about ratings declining all you want. That doesn't mean anything. The NFL losing, what, a couple million people uh, on average? That's like that's like saying Patrick Mahomes accidentally dropped a $10 bill uh, down a drain and it is not going to get that back. Like, th- those are, I mean, 10, 10 bucks. I'm not here to, to diminish the value of $10, but... Let's be honest, that's like saying, you know, a rich person just dropped that in the drain. Okay, it's not the end of the world for them. It's really not. Uh, Not even the worst thing to ever happen to them. Not even close. The NFL is not struggling one bit. And I've proven that with everything here, they're still dominating the ratings. No one's beating them. They just signed that big TV deal. And... Their players are making making millions of dollars still. They're, they keep getting record-breaking contracts every year in the NFL. Multiple times. Multiple times. At all these different positions. So slow it down. I know you guys are really excited to talk about the NFL when they lose ratings. But they're not struggling. They've never struggled one bit. Not even during the pandemic. The NHL was struggling. They were damn near close to canceling. The 2021 season. Because they had no idea what they were going to do. The NHL is very dependent on fan attendance and merchandise purchases and all these things. We know the NHL. uh, Even though they're considered a major sport. I mean, they're not thriving as much as Major League Baseball or the NBA. Obviously not even close to the NFL. That's a sport that struggles to maintain, at least during the pandemic. The NFL, no, not one bit. So educate yourself on television ratings and the business model for the NFL before talking out of your ass, not knowing what the hell you're talking about. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Farscast. I am Farzine Vesugian. Big thanks to all of you guys for taking the time to download and listen to the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast, share the links on social media, follow me on Twitter at Farzine21, and follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzine Big thanks to all of you once again. We surpassed 31,000 followers, and we have way more than that now. We're getting closer and closer to 32,000. You guys are awesome. You guys are the reason for that. We're just going to continue to kick ass and uh, keep building from there because of you guys. You guys are awesome. Thank you guys so much. I'm Farzine Vesugian. I'm out of here. Have a good week.